Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Juan Galt Show. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Arthur Van Pelt. He is an expert on a very, uh, very odd topic, uh, and the topic is the history of Mr. Craig Wright, who is many things, but one thing that he definitely is not is Satoshi Nakamoto. So this episode, we're going to talk about everything involving Craig Wright. We do. A quick update on recent drama, including how our main guest, uh, Christian, who is an executive at Enchain, um, was basically uh, threatened from coming on our podcast, probably because he was going to reveal too many things, and he's kind of taken the spotlight recently for revealing a lot of very interesting things about the Bitcoin Satoshi Vision Enchain uh, corporate shenanigans and everything that's going on over there. So... Uh, Arthur saved the show nevertheless he was going to also be our guest during this conversation and instead we did a fantastic deep dive into the fake Satoshi saga Uh, basically going through the whole history from Genesis to recent court cases uh, and you know basically hitting the funnest funniest the most ridiculous things about this whole thing so to me this is a Deep dive into why Craig Wright is not Satoshi. I think the case is pretty much uh, closed and shut at this point. But if you have any doubts or if you're entertained by greed and uh, fraud, then, man, this is the show for you. Um, And, you know, what's funny, um, unlike Craig Wright, you can actually hold a pretty good amount of Bitcoin and not be massively in debt and... Uh, in serious legal trouble using an exchange like Beaver Bitcoin if you're a fellow Canadian like myself um, Beaver Bitcoin is the most easy to use Bitcoin on ramp in Canada you can buy Bitcoin instantly you set it up a recurring purchase directly from your bank account and uh, Beaver Bitcoin is non-custodial so it delivers your Bitcoin directly to your personal self-custodial wallet the wallet that you control it can be in cold storage or it can be in your in your mobile phone. And um, you have your Bitcoin automatically delivered to your wallet. It is built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. And it's easy enough to recommend to family and friends. Which, uh, if you're in Canada, you really probably should get your family and friends on Bitcoin ASAP. Because Canada is pretty sus right now. So, anyway, sign up today at beaverbitcoin.com. And uh, let's take it away with Mr. Arthur Van Pelt. Um, I just... Uh, what a what a what a fun conversation. Enjoy. The goal was to talk about the Craig Wright, who is Satoshi Nakamoto, why Craig Wright is not Satoshi Nakamoto, and why all the arguments, all the reasons for this, right? And we're gonna have Christian. Um, we're gonna have Christian on uh, Christian Agarhassen, right? Who was an executive with an end chain and you know deep in the Bitcoin Satoshi Vision land and, and enterprise blockchain and all this stuff. But literally like seven minutes before we started the show, he sent us a DM and I'm just going to read it. Uh, We're asking for permission to tweet it out. 
He said, um, I have to cancel uh, today for reasons I can't say at this stage, but they tried to shut me up. So they went after him. They went after him. He was attacked. They, uh, by the agents of the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so sadly, Christian uh, looks like he's not gonna make it. We're gonna try to see if we can change that into a future show. But we have Arthur Van Pelt with us today, who's been uh, reporting uh, very diligently on everything Craig Wright and uh, Satoshi Nakamoto legal shenanigans. And so we're gonna have a great show. We're gonna go a deep dive. And if you're new to this topic, if you're you know, maybe somewhat advanced. If you believe Craig Wright and Satoshi, then this is the show for you because uh, we might just, uh, you know, we might just uh, hit some insights. Man, Arthur, how are you doing? Can you hear us? <laughs> yes, I hear you uh, fine. <laughs> I'm, uh, all the way from Holland, not from Canada, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. It's, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. Holland's probably a lot better. <laughs> Canada's uh, a little shaky right now, but... Um... No, this this time was actually uh, quite convenient for me because I went to uh, Amsterdam to the Bitcoin Amsterdam conference uh, today. Mm -hmm. So I had uh, all the time uh, to go there and uh, until uh, the end of the day and yeah. uh, I just arrived home and uh, could do this uh, spaces otherwise it was be uh, it, yeah. it, it, it might have been a bit busy but uh, this this was a good a good planning of you guys. Well, I'm glad I'm glad it worked out for you. Um let's let's dive right into it. we have a lot of people listening which is great. It's a very interesting topic. Um unfortunately Christian was basically probably threatened into leaving. I had a feeling this conversation was going to be a little bit too hot, you know? I was a little bit shocked that mm. he was so eager to jump on the mic. And then, of course, he probably got some some threat and telling them that, you know, some, I don't know, and non-disclosure, some threat of lawsuit. Who knows what happened? We don't know. We're going to we're gonna probably tweet out that screenshot um, or at least make a tweet about it. But yeah, he literally just canceled seven minutes before the show and you know what he's probably in the middle of a legal conflict with them as well so it's it's sort of understandable but let's uh let's let's do a little bit of um let's let's cover christian a little bit what do you know about him um my understanding is he was an executive uh within the sort of i don't know 10 corporations that are involved with Enchain. it seems like it's a huge sort of game of shells like corporate shells what do you know about Christian mm. Hassan and uh, how are you seeing his sort of whistleblowing of sorts that's been happening the past few weeks? Yeah, the funny thing is I know uh, Christian uh, just as long as uh, almost everybody else uh, because he popped up in, uh, in another altcoin community in 2022, somewhat late. He... Uh, uh, Solana or something? I don't remember. But uh, he uh, was first uh, diving into that community, but rather quickly he got uh, grabbed by, uh, by by the BSV community and he quickly um, got a job as CEO of Enchain. And Enchain is uh, one of the Bitcoin, com sorry, uh, BSV companies in their uh, infrastructure. Uh, and I can already say it's uh, completely, it was already, and lately it has become even more controlled by uh, by Calvin Air, because BSV is as uh, centralized as it uh, can go, can get. Um, but he was uh, getting a job as um, uh, as a, as the CEO of the Enchain Group, which was uh, kind of remarkable. At that moment, he that uh, was late November last year, I remember. Then he. Um, announced rather quickly that he uh, already had spoken with uh, Craig Wright and he was completely convinced that Craig Wright is uh, 
is Satoshi, and he would write a report uh, about it. He's good at writing reports, I uh, I noticed. He uh, did several things uh, into that direction. And it would come out uh, at the end of the year, the 31st of December in 2022. Uh, unfortunately, he never published it. Uh, he was asked about it early 2023. And he said, yeah, I made that report, but I kept it uh, in small circles and it will not be for uh, for the public uh, to see and read. Well, which was a bit uh, unfortunate because I was looking forward to, to that uh, and, report. And the report was about, about Craig Wright and Satoshi and BSV, or what was it specifically about? You know, no, it was it was specifically about all the proof and evidence that Craig Wright is indeed <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto. So we're talking about a year ago. Right. Um, my personal relationship with him uh, is uh, ha has only started quite recently, in, in, in a little more than a week. Um, because what happened, I was like, oh, if you are going to write a report, can you also give me then the debunks of my whole Medium page? And I have, by now have uh, 30 articles, all in uh, long forms. As it happens, I just tweeted out that uh, I have now reached uh, 280,000 uh, words, which is uh, a big book of around 750 pages. So I found that quite uh, quite noteworthy that uh, I've been writing so much about uh, Craig Wright uh, being Satoshi or not. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I asked him to uh, to yeah to also uh, use that material uh, in his report, but instead of answering my question. He just simply blocked me. Okay, fair enough. Not uncommon in the BSV community. Uh, it's mutual. I block a lot of BSV fans also, so we are used to that already. But uh, recently, he, uh, he unblocked me and he started following me on Medium. Uh, we DM a little bit, so I know a little bit what's going on uh, around him. Uh, because I asked him, can I get that report that you're writing now? Or Sorry, he already written it uh, by the end of September. It was released on uh, September 26, which is called the Fairway Brief. And we will get into that uh, a bit later in this uh, spaces, I think. Uh, and he was happy, uh, happy to... Uh, to uh, to release it and he said uh, I will release it for everybody uh, in once but you can use it any way you like so I, he gave permission that I uh, post every page of it in my uh, most recent article that came out a few days ago okay okay so that 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 recent article is the report that Christian wrote um about you know Craig Wright and, and whether he's Satoshi no this is, no the okay. fairway brief is uh, is where he is um uh, that is what we call a whistleblower uh, report. Right. That is where he, where he um, he okay. noticed uh, fraud going on, and the person who is committing that fraud is a guy called Bianchi and uh, Kelvin Air and uh, their home office or family office, I think it's called. Uh, they are uh, have set up an an sort of transaction system where uh, the whole of end chain will be um yeah transported transferred to uh kelvin air for uh, way below commercial price as as expected that is what he thinks is going on and related to that he found out that craig wright is certainly not satoshi nakamoto that kelvin air is uh performing witness tampering on craig's ex-wife 
which was fun. that was for me a rather shocking uh, thing that uh, that he uh, gave evidence uh, of. But okay, let, let's zoom out a little bit. Uh, you know, there's a lot of content to cover here. There's a lot of pieces to this story. And I, I wish Christian was here because I wanted to ask him, you know, how he got involved and who, if he believes Satoshi Nakamoto is Craig Wright. And I think, I think based on what you're telling me and based on what he's been saying, I think the answer is no. He doesn't really believe it anymore. It sounds no, like no. Cur- this, currently, this is, uh, that he, yeah. So, currently, it sounds like this report that he wrote probably like uh, shattered any faith that he had uh, in, in in Craig Wright. Go ahead. Yeah, nay, correct. The the Christian who was a believer in 2000 uh, uh, in uh, 22. Uh, but he changed his mind, and uh, what I figured out, because this is already, uh, the fairway brief is already my second article. I already wrote on the first article, because the news is already two weeks old now. Um, right. And, yeah, it's a funny story, because it was quite shocking to understand uh, exactly two weeks ago on the website of Enchain that they had fired or no, at that moment they called it uh, that uh, Kristen Ager Hansen is leaving Enchain as CEO and uh, Stephen Matthews is uh, taking over that role. And instead of explaining why Kristen Ager Hansen is leaving, uh, they explain uh, only um, how good Stephen Matthews is. So five paragraphs were only about Stephen Matthews taking over and nothing was about uh, Christian Ager Hansen leaving. No explanation was given. Now, that is, uh, of course, let's say funny, weird, <laughs> I would call it, uncommon, because, of course, you will uh, you will rather tell the audience what was going on and that they are happy with him, they were happy with him and what good things he had been doing. But because there was no... Uh, explanation given it was already an indication that something was going on now slightly later uh christian ager hansen uh, sent out a tweet with a long explanation and there we learned that he was uh, indeed not a fan of craig wright anymore he was not so much a fan of uh, of uh, kelvin air anymore his style of uh, shadow directing uh, the whole thing uh, was not his way of uh, uh, yeah, of, of of dealing with th- things on that on that high level around end right. uh, chain, and from there onwards, yeah, the whole thing exploded uh, Friday night uh, on uh, until the Saturday with a spacious, uh, sorry, an, a spacious uh, uh, attendance of uh, of Kristen, a lot of tweets, a lot of hints, and uh, and and and. Um, pieces uh, bits and pieces from from the report the report was uh, is called fairway brief and the fairway brief was released a few days earlier on the 26th of september he was uh, his last working day was the 29 but he was fired on the 27 because on the 26 i think or the 27 uh, he tried to uh, bring that report under the attention of the rest of the board and within that board roughly 10 people Five people were on his hand and the other five were not on his hand. Probably, as far as we can see at the moment, probably because they are on the hand of Kelvin Air and Kelvin Air wanted to have it his way. And the five people who joined in with Kristen uh, with his whistleblowing, they all got fired. So half of the board was leaving on Friday. 
Uh, at first, we didn't know that because we had to figure it out on the board page, on the About Us page uh, or About Enchain page. There were first uh, roughly 10 people. And in a, in a snapshot on, uh, on, on, the, on the Wayback Machine, you can see that in the morning of the Friday, there were still, uh, let's say, 10 people. And at the end of the day, that whole page was uh, was changed by, uh, by uh, yeah, the, the moderator of the website. And there were only five people left. It was quite funny. And the half of the board left but one of the people and that surprised me at that moment also left uh, was Craig Wright himself and that was a bit funny to understand because Craig Wright was at that moment it looked like um, yeah not not under any scrutiny of somebody uh, who is on the hand uh, either Kelvin himself or uh, the rest of the board but what happened there that was earlier that was the weekend before the sunday and i think it was the 24th the sunday late at seven o'clock christian ager hansen also gave proof and evidence of the fraud that craig wright is performing and is sending to courts now we know already from the huddle not case we know from the climbing case there are hundreds, literally hundreds of forgeries that Craig is using to make his points in, in, in court. There is a lot of cases of perjury known. Now, and Christian Ager Hansen, uh, he got his finger behind it and he had evidence, evidence enough to make, uh, at that moment, Stephen Matthews, the chairman at that moment, uh, and he still is, but he also is now the CEO and chairman, uh, to make uh, the chairman, uh, Stephen Matthews, aware that this was actually too much to to keep, an, a, a too, too big of a risk to keep uh, Craig Wright inside Enchain. That would be a big risk for Enchain and, and reflect badly to the outside world if it became known that such uh, a, a fraud like uh, Craig Wright is working in Enchain and for Enchain. Now that uh, and the funny thing is, Stephen Matthews, who was always on the hand of Craig Wright, was actually now uh, making a U-turn and agreeing at that moment. We are talking about the Sunday, the twenty-fourth, uh, agreeing with Christian Ager Hansen that uh, indeed Craig Wright should leave. So they both, the chairman and the CEO at that moment, still in function, uh, they fired Craig Wright. He was starting Sunday, 7 p.m. Uh, from that moment onward, he was not the, the, the chief scientist of Enchain anymore. So that was um, something that we only understood uh, later. We did not know that on the Friday. That only became known in the, in the days and weeks after where uh, yeah, bits and pieces were leaked by, uh, by Christian Ager Hansen. And... Um, I have, before you start asking more questions, there's one thing that we also became, but also became known in that uh, in that era, rather quickly in the days after, probably already in the weekend. I'm not so sure anymore because so much happened back then, two weeks ago. Uh, there was also an email from Kelvin Air to Craig Wright, and at first uh, when uh, Christian Ager Hansen leaked that email. Sorry, I have to say something else first, because you have to understand the brief, the fairway brief is only about the fraud going on inside Enchain. It is not diving too deep into the fraud that is 
Craig Wright is performing to try uh, convince the courts and, and, and other people uh, that he is Satoshi, there will be, he announced, a separate report diving into that matter. That re- report is still being written, so that will be released in the upcoming days or weeks, I guess. I hope to hear that from uh, from uh, Kristen uh, just now, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, he is not here. But the uh, the last thing I want to say before this is turning into a long monologue, the the thing is that the email from Calvin to Craig, and at first it was a bit an confusing email because it did not contain the headers, so we didn't know how who leaked to who and how got uh, Kristen, uh, uh, how did he get his finger behind it? But it was uh, it was like this: Kelvin is signing emails, and we know that already since 2015 with C dot 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 dot. And that is what he put as a signature under his emails. And I immediately noticed that that email was signed with C dot, 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 dot. So I knew from the start, from the get-go, this is an email from Calvin to Craig. Also, the content of that email was about sponsorships of his lawsuits. Now, it's a, it's a common sense for everybody who knows the story a bit that Calvin uh, uh, is the only sponsor of Craig Wright's lawsuits. The millions that are being put in those lawsuits, the only one paying the bills with all kinds of shady constructions uh, mm-hmm. uh, running over uh, shady companies uh, who are being involved in paying those bills to hide the name Kelvin uh, Air, of course. Uh, but that's another story. Um, he said, I'm going to stop sponsoring your lawsuits. I'm going to end all the financial flows going to you right now uh, because I want you to do the signing. And at that moment, he was talking about the signing at uh, Harvard University or college or something. Um, that uh, that was probably a plan that they discussed before. Um, but uh, Craig is refusing to sign. Now, of course, because he's not Satoshi and he cannot sign. He has uh, 20 to 30 uh, lame excuses why he cannot sign and don't dare to sign and whatever. Uh, but at that moment, uh, the, the, the plan to do a signing session uh, like they did in 2016, now to be repeated in uh, Harvard College or university, uh, that was an idea that, uh, that they discussed uh, probably uh, shortly before. Mm, and Calvin wants him to do that signing before and in benefit of the COPA case. And we all know that the COPA case is uh, 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 the trial will be in uh, in uh, starting January. It will be a long trial. I, I presume it will be uh, at least six, uh, maybe up to 12 uh, weeks. So for, uh, it will last probably uh, maximum the whole uh, quarter. Um, but uh, his most convincing, that is what Kelvin is now convinced of, his most convincing proof will be a signing. Now, everybody agrees because we are screaming for a signing for uh, many years, uh, since 2016 uh, already, for a genuine signing and a publicly verifiable signing I'm talking about. Um, But yeah, so that was also a bit of a shock uh, to understand. That was my second uh, uh, shock after the witness tampering uh, that is being performed by Kelvin uh, towards uh, Craig's ex-wife, Lynn Wright. Um, so, yeah, th- this is a bit of the, the story uh, going on. We have this brief that is about Enchain uh, that uh, uh, is uh, being taken over by Kelvin for a price w- that is way too low. And the side stories are about witness tampering, Craig being fired for his fraud that they, that they now uh, get uh, their fingers uh, behind, and um, Kelvin stopping 
the sponsorship of uh, Craig's lawsuits. Okay, right. Now I'll leave it to you. <laughs> well, no, I appreciate that. That was uh, that was an amazing rundown and update of let's say the latest in the CSW saga, the Craig Wright saga. And you know, I really hope HBO does a documentary, like a docu series about this one day, and doesn't. You know, screw it up because they easily yep. could. Uh, but if they do, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be quite a quite a thriller, quite a psychological thriller. You know, um, there's a lot of reasons why Bitcoiners are uh, very upset and defensive and critical of Craig Wright, uh, ranging from the fact that he has failed indeed to sign the the keys. You know, the the, the fundamental thing that's even making Calvin Air doubt. You know, he's probably yeah. cash flowed uh, Craig Wright to the tune of uh, over a hundred million dollars. I would I would imagine I've seen some numbers. I'm wondering, yeah. just real quick, sharp question. Do you have any sense of how much uh, Calvin Air has spent on Craig Wright's legal costs so far? Yeah, that is, he is changing uh, councils like underwear currently. Um, that uh, can have two reasons. We don't know the real reasons, but we know from 2015, somewhere in June, May, July, I think, uh, when his uh, also he had a council, the Clayton, Clayton Utz, I think they were called, and um, they stopped uh, their relationship with uh, Craig Wright because they found out that he was yeah, yeah, back then already. Uh, he was creating forgeries that he gave to the to the ATO, but he used or abused, in fact, uh, his lawyer to uh, to send those forgeries first to his lawyer, and then the lawyer would send them to ATO to give it, a, uh, yeah, somewhat yeah, more so he's, so cre he's credibility. Yeah, yeah, he's and and. And I think he's doing, he has been doing, well, I don't think, I'm sure he has been doing exactly the same trickery with uh, his uh, previous councils, uh, which are called Vigborg uh, Rhein in Norway, Ontier uh, in the UK, Rivero Mestre in the, in the USA. All those councils have been abused by Craig that he would send them his forgeries and, and, and let uh, that he uh, allowed them uh, to to uh, what they then do is they just pass along the forgeries and um, the only thing where we see that the, the council in this uh, in this case uh, Ontier in the UK has been using a forensic expert uh, to write a report about a certain piece of evidence. It's a different case, different lawsuit, uh, not so much related to uh, Christian Hager Hansen at this uh, at this point in time, but uh, nevertheless uh, worthwhile mentioning. The um, we, we call that the pineapple hack uh, case. That is the the lawsuit where uh, Craig Wright is claiming to uh, own uh, one hundred and ten thousand uh, Bitcoin from the one fix and twelve IB seven addresses. Um, well, the whole world knows uh, this is also not true. <laughs> he doesn't own them, but he is still trying in court uh, to get uh, help from the uh, Bitcoin developers uh, who are, in his view, uh, have uh, fiduciary duties to help him uh, to freeze and, and, and reappoint those coins back to him because they have been stolen from him in, I think, what was it, February uh, 2020. But he says he owned uh, those coins since 2011. However, in 2011, in February, he gave uh, uh, as one piece of evidence a purchase order dated, I think, 27th of February in the metadata. 
Now, as it happened, uh, that package of evidence was uh, sent to me. Uh, I looked at it and I picked it apart. And one of the things uh, that I picked apart was this purchase order. This purchase order had indeed uh, 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 the looks and feels of something 2011. However, I figured out that it was uh, created in or uh, later as uh, 2015 because it was based on a template an excel template with a watermark with uh, that the uh, forensic expert of ontier and craig Wright uh, in, in 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 the same way uh, they missed that watermark they found the watermark but they could not place it so they just only mentioned it that they found a watermark but i figured out which uh, what uh, where that watermark was used um, not me alone, I have to say I had some help, but uh, I figured out that there was a template being used that was only available starting 2015. Now, and that group of developers later also figured out that the exact moment when this uh, forgery was created was actually March or May, I think March of 2020, just before he had to deliver that stuff uh, in, the, in the Pineapple Hack uh, lawsuit. So, yeah, what we okay. see... What we see happening here is that uh, Kristen Ager Hansen is adding yeah, more details, more of the same to something that most in the Bitcoin community already knows since, well, December 2015. I mean, we know Craig Wright since 2000, yeah, yeah 2015. Uh, the Wired and uh, package that was leaked or presented to the outside world by by one of them wired or gizmodo i don't remember but they showed uh, some more of the of what uh, the, the the docs package that was uh, known to them at that moment um yeah it consisted of uh, inconsistent uh, information it uh, consisted of uh, several uh, forgeries even a pgp key i remember uh, i think a blog post was uh, uh, dated uh, June 2015 or something, but was uh, uh, backdated to uh, 2009. There it, it was all kinds of stuff was wrong with it, and it was already picked apart uh, within 24 to 48 hours. And uh, Wired and Gizmodo already put disclaimers uh, in either follow-up articles or uh, on on their own article that yeah, this guy is uh, uh, this is probably a hoax that we are reporting. Uh, about so everybody who who put a little effort in in the, the 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 personality of Craig Wright already knows no new since December 2015 this guy is not good news absolutely no, and 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 yet some some people seem to still believe it and I and I'm never quite sure if I'm talking to a sock puppet or a ChatGPT bot or one of uh, Calvin or Craig's uh, sock puppet accounts but there do seem to be. A good amount of people that believe it, including some people that I met. I mean, I don't know at this point, but I've definitely met, ran into BSV uh, true believers here and there. And so yeah. I think I think I want to zoom out a little bit because it's very easy to get kind of caught up in all the little frauds and 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 dramas of the this legal saga. Uh, but I think it's important to sort of zoom out and like illuminate the the economic incentives at play, right? And the, the story a little bit. So let me just go real quick over some facts, right? Um, right. Somewhere around the 2013-2015 era, the Australian Taxation Office, ATO, was investigating Craig Wright for tax offenses or something related mm -hmm. to that. And they ended up concluding that – and, and Craig Wright came out. That's when he came out and said that he was a Toshi. And that was the, the, the sort of genesis of Craig Wright as a sort of 
personality as a sort of media brand of sorts, right? Um, is is around that era, right? Um, and uh, so, so in 2016, the Australian Taxation Office concluded their investigation and said Craig Wright is not the creator of Bitcoin, and and that he is the, he may have created a hoax a hoax to distract from his tax issues, uh, yep. and that all of the evidence that was produced was uh, was found to be a nullity based on sham, right? So that's just like that, yeah, 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 the yeah, first yeah. drama with Craig Wright, right? Yeah. Uh, no, quick I thoughts did, did, on did. that. Quick thoughts on that. So I want to move on to like just paint a, a broad picture, but go ahead. Yeah, they, that, that was uh, growing from something late. Uh, Craig Wright uh, learned about Bitcoin around July 2011. Then he started writing a bit about it. He misspelled it four times. He, didn't, he never wrote it in the way that Satoshi did. Some call that OPSEC, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Uh, you, got, and you can already see in the way how he was describing Bitcoin that he was a complete noob and he had just learned about Bitcoin. And that grew a little bit on him over the years. So late 2012, he was discussing with Jamie Wilson. He was in a project, doing some project with Jamie Wilson, but that was not directly Bitcoin related. But they have must have been discussing Bitcoin also. And Craig and his uh, new wife, Ramona, and Jamie came up with an idea for a Bitcoin bank. That was the Hotwire project of, of 2013. But the roots of that were late 2012. So early 2013, uh, Jamie Wilson was hired as CFO. And um, yeah, they started working on this Bitcoin bank idea, but that uh, turned out uh, a bit in a fraud where Craig was pretending to be a Bitcoin expert. So starting July after Dave Kleiman died in April of 2013, uh, Craig was being red built on Mt. Gox also in April, a few days before uh, Dave Kleiman died. He bought his very first uh, Bitcoin on Mt. Gox, which was only <laughs> in the number of handfuls and not in the numbers of hundreds of thousands that he later claimed that he had been mining. He never mined a, <laughs> a single Bitcoin, but that's another story. Um, and it turned out that it, stuff went haywire in, in a fraudulent way. Jamie Wilson figured it out. So in the run of 2013, I think by October somewhere, maybe November, but I think it was October, he uh, he quit and he stopped. He, he said, no, I, I, I don't feel good about this. This is fraud going on. And the way Craig was dealing with things is, first, he pretended to be a Bitcoin expert. He did not say that he was Satoshi yet. That was only later that he came up with that false claim. First, he was a sort of early miner type of person and a Bitcoin expert, but he only did that by copy-pasting the Bitcoin wiki from one or two or three years earlier, and that he would send around to ATO people, look how how much I know about Bitcoin, etc., etc. He was also pretending to do certain things with supercomputers uh, related to Bitcoin, and also the ATO figured out, no, you have plagiarized and copied that also uh, from the internet, you did not make anything, make up anything yourself. This is copied from this page and this page, and, and they also figured it out. So he had to ramp up, and that is Craig's modus operandi. He ramps up to cover up for old lies 
he will bring a new set of lies that will distract from the old lies. So early 2014, he needed help from the Kleiman uh, estate uh, that he had been um, late 2013. He claimed that there was Bitcoin IP and stuff uh, and Bitcoin mining related stuff was in an old company of 2011 called W&K. Well, that is the whole uh, climate versus rights uh, lawsuit. Let's not repeat that whole lawsuit now. But uh, in 2013, late 2013, he claimed that he owned a lot of money, around 50 or 60,000 Australian dollars uh, from that company. And because Dave Kleiman could not respond anymore because he had he died in April, uh, there was nobody uh, counterclaiming or uh, there was no opponent in that lawsuit. So the judge said, I will sign off with the ruling that Craig Wright has 60,000 Australian dollars in value of Bitcoin IP. Now, and that uh, uh, Bitcoin uh, intellectual property, he forwarded into his Australian companies and the fraud continued uh, with uh, yeah, GST returns and other uh, tax returns that he claimed in two, uh, 2013 and 2014. Okay, but already uh, real in quick, before, before you go on. Yeah, um, sorry. There's a quick conspiracy theory that I want to ask you about. And again, like just just your thoughts on this. Some people mm-hmm. seem to believe that Dave Clayman was the actual Satoshi Nakamoto and that Craig Wright somehow got involved. And then the death of De- Dave Clayman is the reason Satoshi has basically not said anything or appeared in years. Have you heard of that? And do you do you, do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, that that is an, uh, a funny, just a funny story, and uh, you can call it a conspiracy, a conspiracy or whatever. Nay, Dave Kleiman had. Uh, there are no indications whatsoever, except for one, uh, uh, that Dave Kleiman uh, knew about uh, Bitcoin before his death, uh, or did something with Bitcoin before his death. And as it looks now, Craig was knowing about Bitcoin. In 2011, he was starting this Bitcoin bank ID in 2012, late 2012. And as it looks now, he did not discuss those ideas with Dave Kleiman. That was only between Jamie Wilson, his wife Ramona, and uh, and himself, of course. So, they, they, nay, Dave Kleiman, there's one little indication. There is an, uh, an, 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 in the UK, there is an early, very early miner. He knew about Bitcoin already late 29 or early 2010. And he was active on the forum, on the Bitcoin forum uh, that was just, uh, uh, that had just started on the, on the website of Bitcoin.org. And this guy says, although he cannot really prove it, but he claims it, he, he has claimed it a few times and he sticks to the story. So, and it's a trustworthy guy also. Uh, it's called Bitcoin FX. And this guy says that he has seen the domain numbers or IP numbers of Dave Kleiman back in the days of, and then we are talking about 2010, which would indicate that bit, uh, that there was a node, a node running, and probably a mining node running uh, from an IP address related to a company that Dave Kleiman was running back then. This is the only rather fake anecdotal thing that we can bring up that Dave Kleiman might have been 
knowing about Bitcoin and might have been mining Bitcoin. On the other hand, these uh, drives were going to Ira Kleiman. They had it researched by a forensic company. They could not find anything Bitcoin-related on uh, on his uh, devices, except for one text uh, file that contained an, a Bitcoin address, I think a public address, and uh, a note, is this Satoshi question mark or something, something like that. And this, but this file uh, it has been probably created uh, way after uh, Dave's death. So it's not even um, related to Dave Kleiman himself, that file. So yeah, it, it's, it's rather fake. But for me, it's quite okay, clear. Okay. He, the, he is an IT guy. He did his work. He was more in the cybersecurity in, in the US. He uh, was on TV, but he did not do anything with Bitcoin. For me, that is a full stop from there. Okay, that's fascinating. That I wanted, to, I was really curious about that little side story because that one, I never really looked deep into that into that case, but um, that one was kind of like in the back of my mind. Like, man, I hope this guy isn't Satoshi, right? Because you know, I don't want the real Satoshi to be dead, but uh, <laughs> it would explain a lot of things, right? It would yeah. Explain his silence and his absence. Okay, yeah. now let's let's um, let's talk about Calvin Air a little bit. We have a general profile of Craig Wright. We have sort of a little bit of the backstory now. Here's another thing that I've heard about uh, about this. So Calvin Air is a uh, online gambling uh, magnet. You know, he's he's a multimillionaire. Uh, he's a giant in the online gambling world, right? And yeah. somewhere around 2012, I don't know if you've heard this, he purchased a Satoshi dice from, oh man, blanking out of the name, uh, Voorhees. He purchased Satoshi dice from Voorhees. Satoshi Dice was an on-chain dice game that lets you basically gamble in a provably sort of random way, right? And it was very popular to the point where it hiked the Bitcoin fees for a while uh, to basically all-time highs and the equivalent of, you know, 2012 uh, or so. And uh, so Calvin Air buys Satoshi Dice, right? And then mm-hmm. in the years that follow the 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 big block, small block sort of civil war breaks out and the 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 consensus settles on small blocks. And so now the Satoshi dice thing that he bought for like ridiculous amounts of Bitcoin is not scalable, doesn't scale and can't really function. Is this and so this is his part one of his early motivations, one of Calvin's early motivations to get involved in the in that civil war and that big block, small block uh, conflict and eventually to obviously fork Bitcoin Cash and create Satoshi Vision. Is that any? Is any of that something you've heard about, or or, or that sounds sounds right? Um, I have to be honest with you now. I, in the background, I'm quickly looking that up, uh, and I found a CoinDesk article. Oh, okay. Then I should not minimize my screen probably on my uh, on my mobile phone. Uh, then you lose me probably. Nay, I just said that I quickly uh, went to check uh, who bought uh, Satoshi Dice from uh, from Forhees. I ended up uh, uh, in a uh, CoinDesk article that I was quickly reading uh, what happened back then. But since you lost me, I, uh, I will now not go back there because you will lose me again. Uh, I have to check that. I, I was not aware that. Okay, okay. So you uh, haven't that, heard that, that, that story. Yeah, I'd be they, curious they, if they. you could, if you, if you ever um, end up hearing anything about that, or can follow up with that story, because I've been trying to get Art uh, Voorhees on this topic, and I'm gonna, I want to interview Voorhees at some point. And he's somewhat of a controversial character within Bitcoin, but 
he's definitely an OG and has probably some stories to tell. And I don't know what he can say about it. So anyway, that's one of the stories that I've heard from OGs and stuff. Like, I believe it, uh, but it's worth double checking, right? So anyway, Craig Wright gets involved. Um, sorry, Calvin Air gets involved. Tell us a little bit about Calvin Air. What is your sense of why Calvin Air is in is any, any of this? It, it seems like he actually believed that Craig Wright was Satoshi. You're reading some of those emails, right? Uh, yeah. But at what point does he enter the picture and why why does he do it? It started in two, uh, 2015. I was, uh, we were just uh, discussing the ATO era, 2013, 14, and 15, and indeed uh, the, la the last reports were released uh, early to 2016 when the ATO declared uh, it's all a hoax. But um, it was in 2015. Over the era of 2013, or in 2013, um, the ATO, they have a uh, department called Refund Integrity or something. And that department was already uh, feeling... Um, uncomfortable with the refunds that they had to pay to Craig Wright and they started to inquire already and over the course of 2014 when Craig Wright was unable to convince the um, ATO that they should keep paying his uh, tax returns to him it ended up that uh, instead the ATO demanded their money back and that were quite a few millions that they wanted back I think 5 million plus 1.9 or uh, let's round it to 2, 2 million uh, penalty on top of it, which uh, uh, rounds to roughly around 7 million they wanted back. And then we're talking about late 2014 or early 2015. Now, that was an amount of money that uh, 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 Craig was not uh, able to uh, cough up for the ATO to pay back. And just a quick, quick uh, uh, recap. ATO is uh, Australian Tax Office, right? So, okay, go ahead. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, correct. Taxa Australian Taxation Office. The, um, so they wanted to have their uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, a certain amount of refunds that they paid uh, to Craig over the course of uh, 2013 and 14. They wanted uh, that uh, in part or in whole. We, that is what we don't know at this moment because we don't have the bookkeeping of uh, ATO at this moment. Um, but anyway, that seven million was too much for Craig. So he needed a sponsor to help him uh, get out of that uh, trouble. And we have this funny anecdote that he already, uh, because he was introduced uh, early 2015 by Bitcoin Bell, a lady in uh, well uh, well settled in the in the Bitcoin community, and uh, Craig was in com uh, in touch with her, and she made the Bitcoin community aware of Craig Wright, and because his cosplay was already starting uh, early 2014, he told Bitcoin Bell that he was Satoshi. Bitcoin Bell, at some yeah, to a certain extent, believed him for a while, and she introduced Satoshi into the Bitcoin community, and one of the people who were an early believer was Roger Ver. And there is this anecdote that uh, Craig and Roger Fur have been talking about a sponsorship or a loan or whatever of uh, $2 million um, dollars, uh, uh, in exchange of a signing. Did it happen? I have no idea. Roger Fur never opened up about it. So, uh, But what, what indeed happened was that Stephen Matthews, who was uh, into business with uh, Craig Wright for several years already because Craig Wright was a cybersecurity guy. He worked for BDO uh, up till 2008 for, I think, for like five five years at least. So from 2003 to 2008, he worked for BDO and he was an IT 
cybersecurity guy. Now, that's in, in that era, uh, uh, they knew each other already, Stefan Matthews and uh, Craig Wright. So Craig Wright and Stefan Matthews came to talk with each other. Craig told Stefan about his troubles, that he needed seven million or at least quite a firm amount. And Steve Obetsuit, he said, oh, hold on, I have a, a contact, I'm in, con I'm in touch with a, a rich guy called Calvin Air. And the funny thing is, in the era of, I'm not so sure if it was for BDO or even slightly before, but it, it might be a little bit of overlap there, Craig Wright has been working for Calvin Air's outlet, Bodog as far as we know. So he did some cybersecurity things for Calvin already. Did they meet? We don't know. But at least the names were not uncommon to each other. So for Stephen, it was um, um, yeah, quite easily to, to introduce or reintroduce Craig Wright back to Calvin Air. And um, yeah, that's how it started in March somewhere. They started talking about how to uh, bail you out of this, uh, uh, yeah, uh, awkward situation. It ended up in June with a contract of around uh, worth 15 million. That included also the setup of Enchain. Uh, it was first called Encrypt in 2015. In 2016, the name was changed to uh, change to Enchain. Uh, but in June, the foundation was laid for. Uh, loaning money to Craig Wright to pay off his debts, to help him settle in uh, the UK, uh, working for Enchain, to uh, uh, be able to start writing on his patents uh, that were supposed to be Satoshi patents. And when it were Satoshi patents, then they were would probably be worth uh, billions. So the whole, um, yeah, I call them the fraud squad uh, in that sense, uh, Kelvin, Stefan, and at that moment there was also a Robert McGregor involved. Um, uh, that whole squad would be, yeah, become billionaires by, uh, especially the patents of uh, of Craig Wright. Oh, yeah, we all know by now that never happened right. for for other reasons. But that that's how long they go back. At least Kelvin and Craig go back to 2015, and it yeah. looks like that at least <clears throat> at that moment, uh, and for several years uh, following that moment, that starting in 2015, uh, Kelvin was bamboozled by Craig Wright. Uh, his uh, his false story that he is um, Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay, and this question of the patents to me is the the critical motive for this whole scheme, right? Um, they've built up a huge war chest of patents. Uh, part of that has to do with the Copa case that's coming up soon, and will next year, you know, next year, and we'll get into that later on in this conversation. But um, so they start building up this patent war chest. And maybe, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how this works, because as far as I'm aware, Bitcoin was published by Satoshi Nakamoto under an MIT license, which is an open license that I believe allows for public and private use. Can you tell us about the licensing there and you know what merit can these patents have? And does, it, does all of it hang on whether Craig Wright can prove his, his identity as Satoshi? Now, yeah, the, the funny thing is, if you have an open source project, uh, that is already the indication that Satoshi himself is not an, an, a fan of, of patents because he wants to do everything open source and that people cooperate. 
uh, together and in, in build out a, a good project without uh, restricting any usage. And that is indeed where the mid uh, license uh, comes in. So uh, Craig Wright, uh, in one hand, pretending to be Satoshi, and on the other hand, creating patents, that is a, a big mismatch, in my humble opinion. Uh, and one of the indications, one of hundreds of indications, that he is not Satoshi Nakamoto. On the other hand, um, uh, indeed, the the, 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 the the idea in 2015 was that Craig, who was already doing and writing some patents, he already, I think, for CryptoLock or something, together with Jamie Wilson in 2012, uh, just before that Bitcoin bank idea popped up, they were already doing something with patents. And so, yeah, for, for Craig, that was not an, 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 an uncommon story. And uh, that he had his ideas about patenting uh, stuff uh, related to Bitcoin, yeah, it doesn't surprise me much because that is what his mindset is. Um, it and it does not bite. You can do this. This is not illegal or something. So if he can sell this idea, I'm going to create uh, very worthwhile patents uh, uh, for you. Kelvin, and then he's talking to Kelvin and and and, and Stephen and, and Robert uh, McGregor, uh, and uh, the moment that the world is gonna know that those are Satoshi patents, yeah, they will explode in value. Of course, that's what they expected, but they were hoping that that would happen within a few years after 2015. I think max by 2017 that they would have had uh, a little bit of a portfolio, uh, let's say 250 to 500 uh, uh, patents by then filed and well and if then the name satoshi could be connected to them yeah then the, you have uh, the microsoft and the googles and, and the apples uh, who are uh, willing to pay uh, billions for that stuff and they would become billionaire well it never happened that also has the reason that um the patents are not very valuable there are hundreds of them now uh, i work together with a patent lawyer he is looking at them more in depth his name is david pierce and we already opposed uh, several of them just for the fun of it. It's quite costly. So we do that with uh, some crowdfunding. Otherwise, it would be a bit too much. But it costs uh, 850 euro uh, each to uh, oppose certain patents based on, for example, prior art. We found out that, uh, just uh, just a simple example, that several patents contain elements of um, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos' first release of Mastering Bitcoin. Mastering Bitcoin came out, he wrote Mastering Bitcoin over the years, I think starting 2010 or 2011, up till 2013. And early 2014, uh, Mastering Bitcoin, the first edition was released. But the IP, the, 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 the description of the IP of Bitcoin, and of course, Andreas Antonopoulos, his description of Bitcoin is, is, uh, is IP on its own already. If you use or abuse that or plagiarize that uh, into a patent, then uh, you can make uh, the European Patent Office aware of that fact. Yeah, now that, that are just examples why, why his patents are not very worthwhile. The, 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 there is prior art to be found. There is uh, 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 not very novel ideas to be found. That is mostly what is going on. It are unworkable patents. It are descriptions of things 
that hardly anyone would use. And of course, Craig is uh, on uh, on Twitter telling everybody, yeah, but this is a uh, uh, when 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 another party is uh, doing something. For example, in in Ethereum, you something uh, sometimes uh, criticizing Ethereum, uh, the Ethereum uh, community or or their uh, environment and infrastructure. That uh, oh yeah, but Ethereum, uh, there they are using uh, my patents. Uh, this and this and this. And the moment we get uh, uh, our finger behind a number, we're going to immediately check if it is correct what Craig Wright is saying. Uh, is it possible that he is going to sue some party in the Ethereum environment or not? And then we can already see, no, this is completely impossible. Let him try. Uh, he will lose that case because it is not. Um, it has no merits. And, and that is what how we look upon that whole portfolio of them. It's not only us, by the way. Uh, uh, several um, even more um, technical and, and, and professional parties in the in the in the patent uh, environment have already looked at those patents. And already early on, I think to 2019 or 2020 somewhere, 2019, I think there was already an, an article to be found that said that the weakest portfolio of blockchain-related patents. In the industry is, yeah, yeah, Enchain. The Enchain patent portfolio is the weakest with a technical relevance of 0.0, meaning no relevance at all. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that gives us the, 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 the confirmation that uh, uh, what they are trying to do with those patents, trying to make billions out of it, that, that will probably never happen. They, they can do two things with it. They can go uh, find little parties that are impressed by a uh, firm letter from uh, a patent lawyer from Craig, or, or Enchain in this case. Uh, hey, you are abusing our patent and we want uh, some license money from you. Now, then a small party, not very uh, rich party, can maybe be a bit uh, overwhelmed by it and will start paying a license. But the moment, they never, they never said that they were trying to or will try to do that. No, they're always talking about, yeah, we will get uh, the license money from uh, the Microsofts and Googles and Apples from this world because they are the rich parties. and that they, Those are going to be the parties that are going to pay for, uh, for those patents. But that is also something that you can already expect that's not going to happen, guys. Sorry. What will happen is that they will receive a letter from uh, from Craig Wright or Enchain. Uh, hey, you are using my patent and I want my money. Oh, okay. We're going to counter sue you or we're going to just wait patiently until you're going to sue us. And we are way, we are more rich than you are. We can handle this stuff for 10, 20 years if needed. And we will see who is right in the details of your claim. And then the content will be uh, going to uh, through several courts. It will take years. Craig will, uh, of course, appeal when he is losing. Uh, but Microsoft will also appeal when they are losing, eh, for example. So that will take so many years and it will be costly. And there will be no revenues for any party involved in those lawsuits. So that will not bring in the billions that they hope and expect uh, to get from those from those patents. And nobody is willing to buy the patents. And that is why um, uh, uh, where we can see in a few, not weeks, it's already a few months. I think it was in August somewhere. Enchain needed a bailout. Enchain, it, it's not running well with Enchain. They, they hardly make any money. They, they have no customers. The two values and the 
and the air data uh, companies that were that were supposed to bring in a lot of money uh, for apps that they would be building and websites that they would be building and and, and technical solutions that they would be building. Uh, it, it never happened. It never happened. So in the meanwhile, they have like over 100, 106 was the latest number that we know from the filings. 106 people, uh, they need to be paid. They need to have a salary. So uh, connected to, uh, to Enchain. So it's only costing money. Creating patents, filing patents, easily cost roughly $50,000 each. The patent lawyers on Craig's and Enchain's side need to be paid for their work. It's quite costly, and if you do hundreds of them, it will gonna cost you millions, if not a few, uh, several tens of millions. It's gonna cost you. So somebody has to pay for it, and it's only Kelvin Air paying that bill. Now, if Enchain is not running well, they hardly make revenues. They have to pay a lot of money for the for the for the for the patent uh, portfolio building. Then you get at some point the situation that the company is yeah, making losses and needs uh, a bailout at some point before it's go, it goes bankrupt. Now, that is what we saw happening around July or August this year that uh, on paper, at least, uh, Kelvin Air took Enchain and helped them for a, a number of $570 million dollars. Now, this is, of course, not the case. This is a, a, a number, a paper-only number. He already paid, but indirectly with all kinds of companies in between, he already paid all the bills, and he pretends to, uh, to, to give them the revenues that they need to keep afloat. But it is all Enche, sorry, uh, Kelvin Air-related money that he is um, uh, 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 sending to Enche to keep it afloat. Now... This 570 million includes a credit line that he, of, I think, 100 million for the next five years. But that is only a suggestion that if you need uh, a loan up till 100 million, then you're going to have it from me. Now, it means that they could not find if Kelvin Air, after he already took uh, Tal private one or two years earlier, you might remember that also, if they cannot find a party either rich enough or willing enough to take and chain from the market that they they could not find a buyer that means that kelvin air has to jump in again because they could not find somebody else that means that the patents are not um considered be be yeah very very valuable by nobody uh, sorry not by anybody no Google, no Microsoft, no Apple, no IBM, no whoever is, is willing to take Enchain and to buy Enchain either based on their 100 and something personnel, either on their uh, patent portfolio. So, yeah, there you go. Amazing. Amazing. Now, you're a wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate you you joining us and telling us that- the story, because this story is uh, is fantastic, and uh, I I love to hear how much of a disaster it is. It really it really warms my heart. Uh, so <laughs> that that's great. Um, let's talk. Let's do a little pit stop uh, with Gavin Andreessen. Okay, mm-hmm. so Gavin Andreessen was basically the heir to the Satoshi uh, authority over Bitcoin of sorts. When Satoshi left, he basically gave. Uh, merging powers to Gavin Andreessen to be kind of like the, you know, 
lack for lack of a better word, the the benevolent dictator over over Bitcoin's open source <laughs> GitHub and like it, Gavin was kind of like the 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 software developer heir to Satoshi, right? And so Galvin mm-hmm. had a great deal of reputation and credibility, and you know he was a big brand. He's he's still a name that's known across Bitcoin and crypto. And then somewhere on 2016, Craig Wright and Galvin Andreessen show up at a BBC office, right? And then Galvin Galvin says that that Craig Wright has showed him that he is Satoshi, that he believes that he's Satoshi, that Craig Wright has signed with private keys. Um, the using one of the first pr- private keys that we know belonged belonged to Bitcoin to, to Satoshi because they couldn't have belonged to anybody else, and that he believed it. And then, and so this is a big story. And then he goes on. Craig Wright goes on to make a publish a blog post using like OpenSSL and some really convoluted cryptography, mm-hmm. trying to provide the world with like a publicly verifiable cryptographic mm-hmm. signature, which ended up being you know mocked and criticized to shreds. And uh, but that was like probably the biggest story up to that point uh, of Craig Wright and his association with Satoshi with the BBC, who, by the way, has been known to, you know, just not not that it's exactly relevant, but they've definitely done sketchy things throughout the years. Right. Like they've defended pedophiles, for example, uh, and among other crazy stories. So the BBC is sketchy at times. Right. Like they're also, you know, legendary, but they're kind of sketchy. Right. And so they get they get yeah, but by... they, 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 they put a good uh, reporter, uh, Rory Sellen Jones uh, on it. So that, that I, I have no issues with uh, with the BBC itself. And the way sure. they reported about it was quite correct. And at that moment, uh, some yeah, somewhat adequate. But the thing is that they were not technical enough to understand what yeah. Craig Wright was doing, and the only person that we could have expected and who sh- who should have been, in hindsight, be more critical about those signing sessions was, of course, Gavin Andreessen yeah. himself. We have knowledge of several private emails that he sent around to people um, that he was actually quite critical, but that never translated to public uh, statements that he did not believe uh, uh, Craig Wright uh, to be Satoshi Nakamoto anymore. But, for example, the most, what for me at least makes the most sense, the the way, the, the, the trick that Craig Wright was doing was building a little man-in-the-middle attack in the Electrum wallet that he was using on his own laptop. And that can be done easily with one or two lines of uh, rather simple code. We mm-hmm. all say that Craig Wright, he cannot code. He, to a certain extent, he can code, and if he uh, uses some some online uh, some online uh, help uh, text of, uh, of of that stuff, he he could figure out what he wanted to do. He is, after all, a cybersecurity expert. He did uh, hack uh, a coffee machine. He has been involved with uh, uh, trying to hack. Uh, I think it was a Boeing seven three seven airplane, but but it was all the uh, pre Bitcoin uh, stuff that he had been doing in the years before. So of course he is a little bit knowledgeable for the, for those type of things. So yeah. would uh, can can we expect that he would be able to build in rather simple and man in the middle attack in the Electrum wallet uh, because. As we all know, the Electrum wallet is open source, so we can touch the code and we can uh, uh, change that code to mm-hmm. our likings. Now, the ma- the moment that you build in, for example, 
the, uh, hey, you, you probably know how a signing works. We have a piece of text, we have the public address, and then uh, uh, we have uh, uh, the creation. First, we have the creation of a um, signature. And then you have three elements that can be verified by somebody else. Yeah, let's say a third party. And that third party should be, <laughs> for example, on the other side of the globe. And then you have a genuine signing and verification of that signing. Well, and you so, have the private keys, right? So, so okay, let me do, let me just read a quote. Uh, yeah, but the, pri the, pri the, pri the, the right? private key is is no is nowhere to be seen eh, during a signing. Right. Uh, the moment you have a private key of an address, then in Electrum Wallet, you take that private key and you use that private key in a separate menu right. of Electrum Wallet, where you upload uh, uh, with that private key the public address. And from then onward, you have mm -hmm. inside Electrum Wallet without Electrum Wallet ever showing that private key again. Right. Right. That you have control over that public address that the private key has picked up uh, 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 or uh, connected to your Electrum uh, Wallet. So the moment you perform a signing, you don't see the private key. You only see the public key or the public address, I have to say, you have this little text that you write yourself. And from then, uh, from there, you say, create uh, the, the signature. Now, the moment you have those three elements, public address, text, and the signature, you can send those three elements, uh, or you can post it on your blog. You can tweet mm -hmm. it out, uh, like uh, 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 the Litecoin, uh, right. uh, the founder of Litecoin did that uh, back then, Charlie Lee. Also in, two, in 2016, he signed the Genesis block uh, and uh, he posted it on Twitter and he said, no, go check it and everybody check it. And yeah. He, okay, yeah, you're right. Now, that never happened. What yeah, did so, happen so just, just a quick recap. So, so you, yeah. you know, Gavin Andreessen gives, some, gives a, an arbitrary message to Craig Wright, says here, uh, my favorite number is 11, I believe was the quote. So yeah, Craig yeah, Wright yeah. grabs that message, signs it with his private key. And then no, 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 the no, 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 no private key, no private key. So how can uh, you prove the public address is his? The moment you have in your, in your signing screen, you only see that you, uh, f uh, beforehand, you make, you, you tell your audience, I'm going to sign a message on the public address, for example, on, hey, I think it was block nine. Block nine is an, uh, 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 that is the, the, the ninth block ever mined in, in the history of um, uh, Bitcoin. So that happened uh, January the 9th of 2009. Now, we all know and can expect that this block was mined by Satoshi. So if you can, if you manage to have a genuine signing of the public address of block nine, yeah, then you can uh, uh, already tell for 99.9% .9 we are dealing with Satoshi Nakamoto here because he can perform a genuine verifiable signing. Again, the private key is not in the picture at the moment of signing. Weeks before or months before when you upload your public address in the Electrum wallet, then only one time the private key is in the screen. But it is in a different menu, in a different right. screen, where that private key is used weeks or months before the actual signing. 
In right, the signing right. in the signing screen, you only click on the address that you want to start signing, where you want to create this um, uh, signature for. So the only thing visible in the screen is the public address of block nine, which is the address containing the fifty. Uh, BTC being mined, huh? the mining subsidy, so to say. Right. But also yeah, no, that number, also right? that so number like 50. The whole point, the whole point also of the that number 50 process, is, uh, if, sorry. Well, let me just say, like, the whole point of the signing process is that you do not have to reveal the private key to the public. Exactly. You, just, you just, you give the people a, the, the text that is being signed, the signed yes. text, and then the public key, and they can grab the public key, the signed text, and backwards decrypted into the original text that Gavin gave him, which was my favorite number is 11 or something like that, right? Yeah, so the, what happened is that Craig added uh, CSW at the end of that line. So Gavin gave his text, but Craig Wright added a piece of text his uh, initials, his CSW was the end of uh, the text. But CSW was not mentioned by Gavin Anderson. It was an, an something that Craig came up himself. So if you then build in, it's just an example, because there are many ways of building in uh, a man-in-the-middle attack uh, in, in the code. But uh, specifically for this case, because Craig was eager to add CSW to the text, we might, uh, yeah, think about uh, a man in the middle attack that looks like if in that text, and I'm, I'm keeping it a bit simple because uh, if you explain this in code, nobody will understand. But uh, uh, if uh, it's a sort of re re replacement, if in the text CSW is found, then push the message to the screen of the user verified. Right, right. And the moment Craig is using his own laptop with the man in the middle attack, eh, with the broken code, with the with the uh, adjusted code in 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 his uh, local in, uh, installment of, uh, of, uh, of of Electrum wallet, then this will show. He will he will he will of course. Uh, um, yeah, I'm from Holland, so English is not my native language. Uh, he will, he will produce. No, not produce. Uh, prepare, prepare. That's a good word. He will prepare this, of course, a few days before, because he needs to know if it works. Because if he adds the CSW on the, at the end of the text, he needs to test if this works. And the moment it works, he can accept any text. Uh, uh, from any person uh, asking him to do a signing, as long as he puts CSW at the end of that text. Because in the background, this CSW will push a message to the... Um, uh, to the to the to the uh, to the screen of the laptop of uh, of uh, Craig Wright, verified. That it, uh, and it will of course in step one because first you need to create uh, the signature. Uh, it will also create of course uh, the signature because it will be overruled. Um, the, the private key is not being checked anymore. That is not not 
important with this man in the middle atta uh, attack because it will not check the private key anymore. It will just check, is there CSW in the text? If yes, then create private key. And in second instance for the verification, uh, uh, pop up with the message uh, verified. Right. And um, I, um, I literally just tweeted out a message saying, Craig Wright is not Satoshi. I signed it with Electrum while you were explaining how the process works. And I published a public key. It's on my Twitter and I'm about to add it to the, to the, the nest. So you guys can download Electrum from electrum.org and just find that menu, sign, verify, input the, the content in this tweet. And you should be able to publicly verify using the public address that I'm sharing, which, you know, is, is a public address. It's shareable that I actually went the one that signed that message and is cryptographically sound. And this is all that it would take for Craig Wright to basically shut us all up. Like at least half of Bitcoin maximalists would be like, oh, okay, fuck, I guess he is Satoshi if he signed with one of the early keys, right? A lot of the lawsuits would disappear. He would have access to billions of dollars, right? How many Bitcoins yep. did Satoshi have? Something like 10% of all Bitcoins are on the early Bitcoin addresses, right? And so the fact that he you know, is going through all this process, getting in, in, in debt, suing everybody, trying to get Bitcoin core developers to change the process, trying to get them to 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 basically uh, steal people's Bitcoin to give them to him, which they, they can't do, but trying to coerce them into this. It all shows you that he doesn't actually have access to the private keys um, yeah, exactly. because it would be trivial for him to, he would be one of the richest men on earth if he was. He wouldn't need to do any of this crap. Uh, mind you, I mean, think about it. If it is for Charlie Lee, uh, five minutes work, probably less, to be known for the rest of the world, for the whole world, that he is the creator of uh, of Litecoin, just by signing uh, the, the the Genesis block and post, uh, sorry, the yeah the the block address, and uh, posting that in public, so it is for everybody on the whole globe, uh, verifiable, and nobody ever. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, doubted Charlie Lee to be the founder and, and, and creator of, of Litecoin. So if you are Satoshi, you know this trick, that how that works. If you want to be known as Satoshi, what is it so simple? Just sign the Genesis block. Simple. Five minutes work. It's free. You don't need a lawyer. Uh, if you have... Uh, uh, I mean... He could have been known as Satoshi in 2000, 2015, 2016. It should have been possible for him. He never did. He's loaning money. He's living and leeching on, on Kelvin Air for all those years since 2015. And he has a list, and that list is in one of my articles about uh, the signing sessions. I think between 20 and 30 of uh, excuses, he figured, uh, 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 oh, just one example. He was calling Gavin Andreessen before the signing session, and they were discussing that Craig was um, uh, there might be a bug in the early blocks where it was not possible to sign them anymore. And Gavin Andreessen had to reassure Craig Wright, no, 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 this is solved already. No problem. Don't worry. So probably Craig has been uh, uh, browsing around the internet again, finding some uh, uh, critical notes about early uh, blocks that could not be signed. And uh, he could, he tried to use that as an excuse to, 
to duck and hide from the signing sessions. And Gavin Anderson uh, told him, no, 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 this is uh, already solved. So he should and could continue with the signing uh, sessions. Now, he, he, he figured many things like that out uh, with uh, yeah, trying, to, uh, trying to find excuses for, for those signings. And it ended up that uh, he used, as far as we know at this moment, we are not sure yet, uh, unless he explains and, uh, and comes clean uh, about this uh, story, but we think that it was a, a man-in-the-middle attack that he built in that will uh, create the signature when needed and that will do the verification. Um, always, uh, uh, it will always tell verify. And, and based on yeah, certain things, most probably in the text, if this right. and this so, and this so- is... Yeah, so let me let me just read a couple of quotes from Gavin Andreessen on the matter. Obviously, Gavin Andreessen's reputation was basically destroyed after this. He was disgraced. He he lost his uh, his um, merge powers to the public repo of Bitcoin pretty much immediately. Uh, the the core developers basically uh, kicked him out, removed that power from him, and so later on, Gavin said, uh, "quote It was a mistake to trust Craig Wright as much as I did." Quote, the thing he said was, quote, there are places in the private proving session where mm. I could have been fooled, where somebody could have switched out the software that was being used, or perhaps the laptop was th- that was delivered was not a brand new laptop and it had been tampered with in some way, period. Mm. Also, I was also jet lagged, quote, and then he also said, Quote, my doubts arise because the proof was present to me. The proof because the proof that was present to me is very different from the pseudo proof that was later presented to the world. So, so Craig Wright did us with the one version of the signing session using Electrum with Galvin and with Gavin and with the BBC, and he, and then he did a separate one that he published online on his blog. That's the one that we all kind of made fun of and pointed out was ridiculous, and that's when. Uh, Litecoin Satoshi came out and sort of did the Genesis blog signing and so on. Yeah, and they corrected. The, uh, Gavin expected, because that was uh, what he understood from the promises that Craig Wright made, that uh, the same proof and the same evidence that was shown to him during the signing session in, um, uh, in, in, in London when he was flown, I think it was early April, so that was uh, roughly one month before the actual uh, uh, breakout sessions around those uh, signing sessions. Uh, uh, Gavin was uh, flown in from from uh, with an airplane, of course, uh, from from America to uh, to London, and then they meet in uh, in some uh, joint in, in in London for those signing sessions, or a restaurant or a hotel or something. And I think um, anyway, the the the. The the thing is that if um, if they had a new laptop, that laptop needed to be installed, and that install uh, installation of an operating system and then the Electrum wallet, it took between three and four hours. And according to all the experts, and I pretend to be one of them because I have been working in IT as an with software and hardware for over 20 years. So I know a little bit how that goes. And the more recent laptops around that era, we're talking about 2016, um, installation does not take three to four hours. That could have been done in uh, less than half the time. But Craig Wright was making a big fuss. He was 
angry, he was agitated, he uh, was walking around, and he, what we think, again, it's, 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 it's it are only suggestions, he was trying to figure out how to put the man in the middle attack, that broken code, that adjusted code, how to put that from his laptop on the new laptop so it worked as he expected, as it worked on his uh, on his own laptop. The, all the previous signing sessions for other people, he could use his own laptop and nobody ever requested a new laptop. So he performed with the broken code uh, 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 he created the signature and he verified the signature on uh, a hacked Electrum wallet. Yeah, of course, it will always work. But how to take that uh, hack, that hacked piece of software from his own laptop to a newly, freshly made, uh, bought uh, laptop uh, that Gavin Anderson uh, requested. Now, and that's why we think it took way too long before that second uh, before the verification could uh, could take place now at that moment it was promised to gavin that this uh, uh, this proof this evidence would be published in the very first blog post on may the 2nd when uh, when they uh, came out with this with the news about Satoshi Nakamoto, so Craig Wright had been writing an, a, a blog post, and the text of it did not contain uh, anything that could be verified on an Electrum wallet. Instead, uh, for example, uh, it was uh, that's why they call it the Sartre blog post because there were pieces of text used uh, written by Sartre, and the text was incomplete so nobody could ever do a verification on what was presented in that blog post and the whole and then i'm going to use the word that gavin anderson used uh, back then it was gobbledygook that whole blog post nobody not any expert because if you are just uh, looking at it at first glance you can think uh, anything but uh, all the experts from uh, Dan Kaminsky and, and and well even Gavin Anderson himself but everyone looking at that uh, blog post said this is just irrational text gobbledygook as Kevin said this has nothing to do with anything uh, that proves that uh, uh, Craig is Satoshi and it has nothing to do with anything uh, signing uh, at least a ver verifiable signing. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was pretty much the end of Gavin at that point. Yeah. But there is a, there's a little nuance to, uh, to that story, of course, because yeah. Gavin, Gavin, he took over from, uh, from, um, Satoshi Nakamoto, of course, uh, in December 2010, he already left uh, the public eye. He was not active on the forum anymore, but in the background, uh, he was uh, still uh, every now and then active with uh, the developers. And the last messages were uh, late April uh, 2011. So from then onward, uh, we can at least say that Gavin Anderson uh, was doing it uh, uh, alone, eh? taking... Uh, taking the scepter of uh, being on the helm of, of, of Bitcoin. But already a few years later, and then I think around 2013, he was already not so active anymore. And I think, I don't remember all the names in the right order, to be honest, but I think Vladimir van der Laan at that moment already was more active than Gavin Anderson himself. So, but he still, of course, had the had the the the, the submission keys or something. I think it's called that he could uh, still 
um, yeah, sort of log on to to uh, they already moved from uh, SourceForge to to GitHub, so Gavin could still log on to um, uh, to GitHub and use his credentials to yeah to yeah create uh, damage for for the Bitcoin uh, implementation. Now, and they were afraid three years later that when uh, Gavin was not active on GitHub so much anymore, and three years later they were afraid that. Because Gavin, sorry, um, Craig was known from uh, the Wired and Gizmodo times, which was only half, roughly half a year earlier. Uh, yeah, the, 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 it didn't feel good what what he was saying and, and presenting as evidence. And now that the uh, the blog post uh, about the Sartre text uh, signing was uh, not working, uh, was also go yeah gobbledygook. So they didn't uh, what what they expect or were afraid of was that Gavin might give in his credentials to Craig Wright and Craig Wright could do yeah bad things with uh, uh, Gavin's uh, GitHub uh, logon credentials right and that's why they took it that's why they took it away from him but the mm -hmm. fact was that already for two or three years uh, Gavin was not active at all or or hardly uh, at least on on, on the GitHub uh, Bitcoin environment. Yeah, yeah, he had sort of like a ceremonial role and kind of an influencer role. Yeah, 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 that's it, that's yeah. it, yeah. Okay, wow, what a saga. Okay, so I mean, I think we've done a pretty good job of explaining that again, like if you're curious about how this works, very easy to do, just download Electrum from electrum.org, go check out the, the tweet that I just pinned uh, showing you how, how to do this, right? And you can literally verify and and sign messages trivially without having to reveal the private keys to people. And they can easily, literally within seconds, verify externally that you signed the message and it's cryptographically mm. secure. You can try it with different public keys. Try messing with this. This is, this is good for people to know. People don't understand this, right? And and because they don't, mm. they get bamboozled by Craig's, you know, uh, hundreds of for, uh, forgeries, right? Which, uh, you know, I want us to get into a little bit of, uh, you know, it'd be your favorite top two or top three forgeries. And I mean, maybe that's too much, right? Because, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're somewhat technical. But, um, but yeah, I think that's really important. Actually, before oh, we get I can, I can mention two, two, my two, my two favorites are, I can do that quickly. It's, well, wait, 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 before, before we get into that, wait, wait, before we get into that. Oh, so sorry, sorry. Yeah. We'll get into it. But, um, you know, I was arguing with some BSV people and they were giving me this like, house metaphor as to why the keys are not important and and so i want us to like kind of tackle that a little bit right so first of all if you had the private keys you would have the bitcoin and be one of the richest people in the world right so the keys right. matter on that ground second of all it would be the easiest way to prove to most of the, the of the critics that he is a toshi in fact most of us would would be satisfied with a signing of the early bitcoin keys of of a message right of course, of um course. But so, that, but then they start saying, "Well, you know, if you have the keys to a house, that doesn't mean that you're the one that built it. It doesn't even mean that, that you're the one that owned it. In fact, your keys might have been stolen, and if somebody steals your keys, they don't own the house, do they? Do they right? And so, this is the sort of the the weird sort of upside down world that that I think a lot of BSV people sort of end up in, where they're sort of trying to justify and explain to themselves why." Uh, Craig hasn't signed and why that doesn't mean that he's not Satoshi. Um, yeah. And I'll just say one thing and then uh, maybe you can take a shot at it. But like, basically the, the, the key thing is if somebody steals your physical keys to your house, those keys are gone. 
they're now missing from your pocket, right? But if somebody yeah. hacks your private keys to 50 Bitcoin minimum, right? Because the genesis, the, the, the mining was distributing 50 minute, 50 Bitcoin per block in that era. So those blocks have at least 50 Bitcoin in, those public keys and private keys have at least 50 Bitcoin in them each, right? And so the moment that that private key gets hacked, A, the coins move most likely, right? B, right. the hacker is not necessarily going to, delete your hard drive so it's not like you're going to lose a copy of the keys just because somebody hacked them and see it's trivial for anybody to duplicate those keys yourself included so you would think that satoshi right somebody that edward snowden said is one of the most impressive technicians because he's still anonymous 13 years later right it's a miracle of operational security and 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 and, and cybersecurity competence that satoshi has not actually been found Right. Mm, that, yeah. that 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 same Satoshi would fail to back up his private keys to uh, billions of dollars is absurd. Right. It's more likely yep. that he destroyed them. Right. In which case, Greg doesn't have the keys. Right. Uh, so that's right. that's my conclusion. But what, what are your thoughts on this absurd metaphor and, and why are BSV people falling for this? No, it's it's the same as, of course, you are saying that I I firmly agree with uh, with that. But the, the, the only one thing that I would like to add is that if you say that uh, basically a key is not identity, right? that's basically what they're saying. What you do at such a moment, then you make the exception of the rule, you make it the rule. But that is not what you should do ever, of course. Full stop. The rule is: if you own a private key, then ninety-nine point nine 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 percent, you are indeed the owner of uh, the 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 the, uh, the the address that you have been signing at the public address, because you have the private key of that address that makes the signing possible. And that means that if you belong to that group of ninety-nine point nine 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 percent. That is just uh, being the genuine owner of that address. And if you translate that to those early addresses that we are, well, let's say 100. Yeah, the Genesis block, I can can be short. I mean, that is definitely belonging to Satoshi. The blocks after that might be slightly, uh, yeah, under some scrutiny that it might be a block not belonging to satoshi because other people started mining also but if you talk about the first uh 10 or 12 or maybe even 25 i think the first block being mined by somebody else i think we're already going over the 100 130 140 somewhere and that was hal finney i think if i remember yeah because uh the second miner was only active after Helfini. Yeah. Nay, so I think if you talk about the first 100 blocks, if you do a signing on the public address of one of the of those, um, uh, or when you are able to do a signing on one of those uh, addre- public addresses of the first 100 blocks, you are yeah, 100% sure that is also Satoshi Nakamoto related. If you want to do the exception to the rule, then it is 
the keys, the private keys has, have been stolen. Now, then you get back to what you just said. What, how likely is it that keys are being stolen and not being backed up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if you are going by the general rule that 99.999% of the people who are able to do a genuine signing on an address, then they are the owner of the address. Because how many addresses are being stolen by private key without backups, etc., without police reports, without people screaming from the rooftop, I have been hacked, I have been SIM card swept or whatever, how they do it. Uh, so, yeah, if you are doing a signing and pretend to be Satoshi at the same time, then the genuine Satoshi would be immediately recognized because he would add to his signing a few good stories. He would probably log on to, uh, to his... Uh, uh, old uh, P2P uh, foundation uh, forum or something and post something. He would log on to GitHub probably with his uh, credentials and post something just to show, see, if you don't agree with my signing, I can do this, I can do this, and I can use my uh, use my PGP key of uh, 2008 or 2009 that he had back then. And it will be possible for him to, within a few minutes make it a few hours if people are getting critical on him then he said you can add additional uh, things to it it is so easy and it is free craig wright instead he comes up with dozens of lame excuses and with a lot of lawsuits that he wants not to do any signing anymore he wants to do it with uh, documents that prove that he is satoshi well we know hundreds of them are forgeries by now um, and then he will blame others. Uh, it's all Craig. It's all you. You created them. There's no doubt about it. And now his last trick that he is trying in his lawsuits, and we will probably see that uh, uh, happen in the Copa case uh, again, like he tried in uh, in 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 Norway in the Hodelnot case, uh, Hodelnot versus Wright case. Uh, he will come up with uh, eyewitnesses. Now, we've seen uh, roughly a handful in in Norway, and the judge uh, giggled a bit and uh, <laughs> showed them uh, the door out because those those witnesses were were worthless, totally worthless. They had no physical evidence. They only could recall stories dated starting two, uh, 2014 when they became aware. And, for example, Stephen Matthews, he had to admit that he only became aware of Craig being Satoshi in 2015 and of course he remembers a few other stories about the bitcoin white paper and about being offered 50,000 tokens but the real fact is is that stephen matthews only became aware of craig wright being satoshi uh early 2015 when that bailout stuff uh, was uh, being ignited then he asked Craig, hey, it looks like I'm uh, talking to the inventor of uh, Bitcoin. Who is the inventor of Bitcoin? And then Craig answered to him, yeah, you're looking at him. And that means that the judge in Norway could only say, yeah, those witnesses are not very, very worthwhile. They, 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 they prove nothing. They have no physical evidence. They have only, yeah, it's, I'm not sure if it's called hearsay, but it, it, it reminds you a lot of hearsay stories that you, you can whisper in somebody's ears, hey, tell, if you tell in that uh, courtroom there that uh, I might be Satoshi, I am capable of being Satoshi, I have the credentials and the, and the, and the certificates of uh, 
possibly being Satoshi, yeah, there are thousands of people with the same credentials and with a background, uh, even a better background in, uh, in in either Bitcoin or cryptography and uh, inventions uh, in, in in the same uh, type of uh, stuff of uh, cryptology, etc., or uh, eCash and, and things like that. So other people are way way better candidates. Craig Wright has never been a good candidate. And those witnesses can only tell the judge and the rest of the world at the same time, of course. Um, yeah, he might be a good candidate. Yeah, that's that's not enough for a judge to rule that you are Satoshi. Simple. <laughs> right. Amazing. I mean, you got to give it to Craig Wright. His uh, creativity in forgery is you know his dedication you gotta you gotta give it to his dedication he's not very diligent you know one of the articles that we have to uh pinned to the to the to the nest is one of your your top sorry just sorry for the notifications there it's one of the top uh the top five forgeries uh by craig wright and you really break them down it's it's pretty hilarious how how lazy they are like they're actually very shallow uh so i think somebody tweeted out like you know any any Competent Bitcoiner will be able to create a forgery ten times better than this. This is very lazy, yep. right? Yeah. So, oh, um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah, I remember uh, earlier this week you uh, you uh, read my article about the, five, the top five of uh, Norway. That's right. But what happened yeah. there? Uh, just just a quick quickie. Uh, yeah, what happened it. there? Uh, Craig Wright has been creating seventy one forgeries. Because he was asked by either Hodelnot or by the judge, but I think the the the, the ultimate ultimately the request came from uh, Hodelnot. Uh, you have to substantiate your claim that you are Satoshi. Okay, I will do that. Craig said. So he created seventy one forgeries, or picked a few from uh, from his old stash, and he created several new. He handed that to his lawyer. Back then, that was Wigborg Rhein. Wigborg Rhein put that in a safe environment where. Hodelnot Council could reach uh, and could also give the credentials of logging on to that safe environment to KPMG Forensic Department. So KPMG Forensic Department was given access to uh, the 71 forgeries. Well, at that moment, they thought it was genuine evidence, of course. That's what Craig pretended it to be. And uh, Wigborg Rhein said, yeah, we have uh, uh, been given 71 uh, documents and files that uh, substantiate that Craig is Satoshi. KPMG wrote a big report about it and figured out that all 71 of them are starting with discutable up till this is a straightforward clear-cut forgery. And I'm not going to do five of them because it's going to be too much, but one of my favorites from there is... Um, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin client or the Bitcoin node starts with a so-called executable, bitcoin.exe. Now, somebody in, in IT knows what I mean. There's just a file that you can double-click, and then it will pop up with the screen where you can log on, uh, and uh, then you're going to run a node, so to say. Now, Craig, I think two or three, two at least I know, uh, he gave Hodelnot, or his Wigborg Rhein Council, uh, he gave, between this 71 um, files, there was a Bitcoin.exe, or two of them at least, uh, even two or three. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention one of them. He said this file is dated, I think, what was it? 
December 2008. So it was a pre-release before Bitcoin went live. So it was a test file, compiled file that Craig said that was a pre-release. That was not released to the outside world. That was what I developed myself and had on my old devices from back then. So KPMG, they picked that file apart. And what happened, they found in the comment sections, because if you write code, then coders always put little text between those code to explain a little bit what the code should do. Now, in between there, there was a Bitcoin public address. In the original file, that Bitcoin public address was a really old 2009 address. But Craig Wright, creating that forgery, he opened that file, he took out that Bitcoin public address and replaced it with another public Bitcoin address with the reasoning that it was then a different file from the later files being released in January and February, etc., in 2009. So that is how he could prove, quote-unquote, that it was really a file of 2008 because it contained a different a Bitcoin address in the comments between the code. Right. And the, and the public address should... starts with a two, which is uh, one of the ways you can identify it. There's other ways, but it's it's a public address scheme that didn't enter the Bitcoin core development until like years after release, right? Ka-ching. Bingo. That's it. So they figured out that it was an address that was only possible to have been created by Bitcoin in what was it, 2013 or 14 or something. Um, so that file could never have been from 2008 because it contains a Bitcoin address that was not possible to have been created before 2013 or 14 somewhere. And those types of mistakes you see a lot with Craig Wright. He is, on at first glance, it looks genuine. It looks really cool. It looks well thought out. It In second glance... It is a forgery that you can even try to date based on fonts that he has been using, software releases that he has been oh, yeah. using, uh, email uh, software, for example. He created emails uh, in, in months and years that, that that software did not even exist yet. It still had to be released, for example. Uh, word fonts and, and other fonts that he has been using that did not exist only in two, 2015, but the file pretends to be of uh, 2007 or 8 or 9 or yeah. something. He makes those type of mistakes a lot. Yeah. No, it's amazing. And I really recommend you guys go and uh, read Arthur's blog. Uh, the blog has just very detailed but very entertainingly written uh, descriptions of the issues. He, he knows the story in and out and... Um, I mean, I, I'm just blown away. I always knew it was crazy, but uh, my God, the depth of the madness is is fantastic. Um, I wanted to ask you um, one last question, which is, you know, what is Craig Wright's official story right now? Or what is the general sentiment around why he doesn't sign cryptographically? And let we, uh, Rob has to go and we, I think we're running into two hours. So I think we're going to be calling it a show very soon. But just give us the official narrative real quick, just so that people can compare everything that we've talked about to the official line. 
Well, that again, he has uh, so many excuses for for not uh, signing, and the latest excuse is that he stomped on the hard drive where those uh, <laughs> private keys were uh, were uh, stored, and um, it means that he is technically and physically not not even able to to sign, yeah. and uh, that means that he is admitting that he is a very poor Satoshi. That is now, I think, the line that he is uh, uh, following, uh, because this stomping on the hard drive is uh, this anecdote came from uh, September 22, which is now uh, yeah a little over a year ago during the Hodelnot uh, trial. That is where he admitted or came up with the latest excuse, if you ask me, yeah. uh, that he is uh, not even able to sign because uh, the private keys do not even exist anymore. Now, yeah, the funny thing is uh, the, the files, he also had his story always that he, he his stuff is hidden in, in, in blind trusts, eh? the Seychelles Trust, the Tulip right. Trust, what that stuff. That, yeah. that means that he has been given copies of files, copies of uh, there's a Shamia scheme stuff and things and You know, and he handed over the private keys. That is also one of those stories how the, in, in the creation of uh, Tulip Trust that not only the Shamir scheme uh, files, but also the actual files containing the public addresses and the private keys have been given to Dave Kleiman, who sent them onward to the trust that was created when Dave Kleiman was still alive. Now, again, this is all made up by Craig Wright, this whole bullshit of tulip trust never existed uh, that was only uh, to uh, to create a uh, narrative uh, for uh, the australian taxation office uh, why he could not uh, get uh, to his uh, coins and why it should not be taxed uh, as uh, valuable uh, assets in uh, in australia because uh, yeah it was uh, abroad and uh, and not in australia blah 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 so again so If he is coming up with an excuse now that his hard drive is uh, broken and he cannot uh, get the private keys from that uh, from that hard drive anymore, then still the trust, the trustees, still should have uh, copies of uh, 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 those files that uh, uh, yeah could be and should be opened with uh, with the Shamir scheme uh, keys. But yeah, that uh, nobody is asking him and. Um, He is not explaining anything, and in the BSV camp, uh, they do not follow all the details of this uh, convoluted story uh, well enough, so they wouldn't even know how this all uh, worked and worked, uh, and which uh, uh, lie is uh, uh, dropped on uh, the pre the previous lie, and uh, which was already a cover up of the previous lie before. So right. uh, you have to be a bit uh, obsessed uh, like me with uh, diving into all mm -hmm. those uh, details to understand uh, how uh, how the mind of uh, Craig uh, works. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard to follow. It's uh, it's it's really uh, the, yeah. The basics is when his narrative is not working anymore, he will create a new one. Right. And uh, if you're gullible enough, uh, that uh, you will then you will easily forget uh, the previous narrative. And uh, give credits to the new narrative and uh, make it your own and start spreading it uh, on uh, on uh, the internet uh, again. Because, yeah, you're a big fan. You're a believer. He is Satoshi. And whatever well, he and says, it's always holder, right. right. And and, yeah. and a lot of people are bag-holding BSV, right? Like A lot of people hold BSV and they're holding it goes up. And so they, they are, they're probably down hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars just holding this thing all the way down from... 
you know, the few hundred dollars that it was when they, maybe the couple thousand dollars, I don't know, that it was when they forked off a of Bitcoin cash, you know, and so you have you have this this capital investment into this narrative and this this infrastructure that is just kind of all fluff. Um, yep. So yep. anyway, Arthur, thank you so much. Uh, Arthur Van Pelt, everybody. Thank you for coming on and telling, like helping us understand and wrap our head around this. I think this podcast will become uh, a really good resource for people to just sort of get a big picture overview uh, with a variety of side roads and deep dives into the Craig Wright uh, scam saga. Um, And if, you know, you want to not be like Craig and actually, you know, hold your keys and keep your Bitcoin. And if you're a fellow Canadian, uh, well, you just you got to check out uh, Beaver Bitcoin. Uh, Beaver Bitcoin is Canada's most user-friendly Bitcoin on-ramp. You can buy Bitcoin instantly and set up reoccurring purchases directly from your bank account. It is a DCA-style uh, exchange, so Beaver Bitcoin is non-custodial and delivers your Bitcoin directly to your wallet and your cold storage, which, unlike Craig Wright, you can control and keep the keys and they won't disappear, <laughs> right? So it is built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners, and it's easy enough to recommend to family and friends, which, frankly, they need because all this stuff is very nerdy and techy. Sign up to beaverbitcoin.com today. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Arthur. And uh, no thank problem. you, Rob, for, for coming on. Any final thoughts? Yep. Thank you for having me, and um, see you next time. Hope we, I hope, really hope we can do this uh, again, uh, for example, around uh, the Copath. Um, yeah lawsuit uh, next year that would be a great moment uh, to start following it a bit more closer and uh, do this more regularly this type of thing sounds like a great idea let's let's do that uh for the copa case next year and uh, again everybody check out arthur's blog uh check out bitcoin news we're covering uh the javier Millet argentinian and cap president story and i just published our conversation with peter rizzo on juangal.com in a podcast we edit all these conversations and publish them in podcast form so you can listen to them listen to them on your at, le- at your leisure on the app that you wish later on so definitely check that out at huangal.com thank you everybody and uh, catch you on the next one <laughs> <laughs>